You're listening to Slopeside with Stephen Nyman. I'm George Thomas in Boulder, Colorado. Stephen is at Copper right now. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks, George. Thanks for having me. I guess I shouldn't say welcome to the show since this is your show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Just learn that. So <laughs> kind of exciting. Um, we'll see what it turns out to become, but I think it'll be cool to create a skiing podcast and see where it moves and what becomes of it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about it. We're going to be checking in with you throughout the season um, after your World Cup races and and also check in with you during training. Really just get a feel for what it's like in the day and life of a ski racer. It'll be incredibly interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what kind no, of racks are you cool. doing It's today? pretty sweet, <laughs> and it's something that I wouldn't trade the world for like it's it, I, I love it it's to travel the world to fall on do what i do and and experience what i experience and it's a dream come true for me what's this time of year like for you off season's over you actually have been training in south america for a while but the snow is starting to fall you're up at copper mountain you're seeing other ski racers does it get you excited still are you happy with what you're doing or is it just kind of becoming a job this time of year is kind of funny. I think it's the worst time of year because in the summer, you know, there's a lot of time before you race. There's the whole prep phase. You're, you're in the gym working on your skills, your strength, your balance, um, your power. And then you move into the summer camps in New Zealand and Chile and, and hone your craft, like create good habits. But then, you come home and you kind of have October and October's like that month where you're just, you're done in the gym, even though that you still have a whole month of gym time. You just, you don't, you're mentally, you're just like, ah, more work, but, uh, you, you get that done and you maintain your strength that you've built up in June and July, May, June, July, I should say. And then, uh, come November, there's still another month before you race and you're starting to get back on snow, but you, you want to race, you want to get going. You want to, you want to see what you're capable of. You want to pit yourself against other guys. And, uh, you got to just kind of throttle back, hold the jets back and be like, okay, I still need to work on my craft. I still need to develop good habits. I still need to stay focused on what I'm doing. It's, it's not race time yet, you know, but that's, we're all racehorses. A lot of us ski racers, it's, it's obviously what we live for. It's the racing aspect. So, um, just kind of got to stay calm and keep skiing. So, Stephen, you've spent almost your entire life on skis and much of that racing. You know yourself, yet you're always looking to improve. What role does a coach have in your training regimen? And what makes a good coach? Coaches are huge in our sport because uh, there's so much support that goes on behind the scenes that people don't really realize and and that you go to a resort and right now currently in copper colorado we have the best downhill training you can get in the world because they they basically shut off the whole side of the mountain and make snow for us and people from all over the world all the best ski racers in the world come here and utilize this training that the u.s ski team has created so that's kind of like our ace of spades and 
and we say, yeah, you want to come to Copper, Colorado and train with us? We get a train in Schladming, Austria with you. We get to go train in Valdezer, France with you, whatever it is. So we, we create a good trade with this. But this time of year, everybody starts falling in, all the best guys in the world come in, and they've closed this entire hill off for us. But this hill has been prepped for weeks and they're trying to get the snow together and prep it properly and have a good surface that's safe and, and strong to have hundreds of guys run over it all day long and it won't deteriorate and we're going 80 miles an hour so it's then you have all the coaches all the way down the hill looking out for the media that's trying to film us and, and looking out for the racers that are going down and giving feedback on that and a lot of safety control and and they're the ones that are up early hauling the gates up there and setting the course and tearing down the course. And then they prep us for our dry land activities. If it's a core session or a strength session or, or endurance, um, they're, they're the ones that run the show and they're the ones that you have to have basically supreme trust in. And if, if you don't trust your coaches, the results usually kind of show, um, and currently right now in the US team, a lot of my buddies are my coaches, guys that I grew up racing with and I have a, a good trust in. I know that they've done amazing things. They've been NCAA champions, US ski team members. Um, they've been coaching for years and we have a good communication and a good friendship. And that's kind of the, that's where everything starts and that's where the confidence builds from. You know, hearing your appreciation for and respect of those coaches is very refreshing. <laughs> that's that's not what happens in the biking world <laughs> no it's just that uh for someone who's been so who is so familiar with the sport um having someone tell you what to do you you might be having some pushback there and saying no you know i know better than you i'd say there's 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 constructive criticism there's times where you're like no and there's times where you're like, yeah, yeah, we like to discuss things, at least in our group. And that's what I think is healthy about it. It's not this guy who wants to control everything. It's it's like, here's what I see. What do you think? What do you feel? Try this, try that, you know? it's And it's probably that way in, in most sports. But there's definitely some coaches that come in and are just like, this is the way and you do this and you don't do anything else, you know? And... um I, I like our our vibe because it's more open and creative. Now, you're up there with a number of racers, which brings up a, a great topic right now. Tell us about FantasySkiRacer.com. <laughs> um, Fantasy Ski Racer was a project that I basically came up with in a ski lodge five years ago and we wrote some stuff on a napkin and I told my brother about it and my brother was like, yeah, let's do it. And my brother's been studying web design and so he kind of backed the whole thing and helped create the whole thing along with my friend Pete Rue. And we started our first website and then it went through several different versions and I learned a lot about uh, web design. I learned a lot about quality control about trusting certain people with their work but finally through some great models and some poor models we've come up with a really good model currently and uh i like the algorithm the scoring algorithm the platform 
And basically what you're trying to do is predict the top 10 of each ski race on the World Cup. And and according to how accurately you pick the top 10, you get points. And it's it's pretty fun. You get to compete against guys all around the world and see where you stack up within your country, within the league, if you create a league, uh, and you see where you rank in the world. And there's it's it, my main goal behind it was basically creating a different uh, avenue to attach yourself to ski racing. Um, in the U.S., it's hard to watch some ski races because they're going on in Europe. It's four in the morning. You don't want to wake up for that. So uh, this helps you pick other racers, root for other racers, see how it goes, wake up, see how you scored, see how people did. And, and it's not just like, go USA. It's like, I want to I wanna root for... Um, this guy from Sweden or this guy from Austria, or this guy from Norway, you know, <laughs> along with the guys from the U S obviously I'm partial to the U S and, and when I make my picks, some, my teammates, I want to root them on and I always put them in the top 10. So <laughs> sometimes that doesn't pay off in my rankings, but when they do do well, it makes me feel good because I believe in them. How's the reception been? It's been pretty good. Um, Last year, around the World Championships that happened in Beaver Creek, Colorado, in February, we came out with an app, and ever since then, it's it's taken off. Um, we're probably around, I want to say it's sixteen to twenty thousand people playing right now. Uh, we had a really good race in Solden that happened uh, October twenty sixth, I think, or twenty something. Um, the end of October, that was the first World Cup race of the season, and we doubled anything we'd ever put out before. So people are starting to catch on. Um, the majority of the people are American that have been playing for the past few years, or I should say North American. And finally the euros are, are seeing what it's about, but I haven't really tried to promote it because I've been happy with the product until now. And I'm really happy with what we've created and we're going to start pushing it and having some good Facebook campaigns and seeing if people really attach to the game. Nice. You're listening to Slopestide with U.S. Ski Team member Stephen Nyman. I'm in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. Stephen, you said something a little earlier that really resonated with me or had an impact on me, and that's going 80 miles an hour downhill. Um, when I hit 60-plus on a bike, you know, the nerves start setting in. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> What's it like for you for so long to be right on the snow going that speed is it fun is it scary how do you deal with the the mental of that sport that's what we look for um people probably can't handle skiing with me because i just go fast everywhere and and that's what i enjoy is is that fluidity of attaching yourself to the mountain and sliding down it but challenging yourself with the speed um that's that's what the rush is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a amusement park, these mountains, and you can get on it and just kind of roll all the way down. It's a, it's an ever changing wave. Um, I watched a movie where I think Jerry Lopez stopped. He, he's kind of throttled back with surfing and he's, and he's snowboarding a lot now. And he's just saying, I, I love snowboarding because it's not the same curling wave that, goes along this point break it's an it's an ever 
changing wave. You have to adapt the whole way down the mountain and, and, and move with the terrain that's given to you. So, um, that's, that's basically what I enjoy. I, I like what skiing develops as well. Um, I think it develops a pretty incredible person. You, you have to have trust in your gear. You have to look ahead at what's coming at you. You have to be aware of everything around you. If people are moving around you, um, then when it comes to the physical development of the human, it's, it's pretty supreme because of the forces that are being put through your body and the vibrations and, and the endurance factor of having to slide down a mountain and resist those forces for several minutes at a time. Um, I think it's a pretty unique sport in that way because it develops a, a pretty well-rounded, strong package. One of the things I really admire about you, you've come back from some injuries. Um, early 30s, you're really racing probably the strongest of your career. How do you deal with coming back from an injury uh, again <clears throat> mentally? Because is there anything in you inside you just saying, you know, Stephen, you got to hurt doing this? How do you overcome that's, that? That's that's the biggest part to me, the biggest challenge. Um, it's not it's not rebuilding myself because the body's incredible. If you trust the body and understand it it's going to rebuild itself the the way the body functions and, and how it grows and, and moves. If you give it the proper tools to regrow, it's going to regrow for the most part. And we have amazing surgeons and doctors that are able to put people back together. Um, obviously there's some pretty gory scenarios, but um, a lot of the, the general skiing injuries, this would be an ACL or MCL or these broken legs, like those are fixed and that trust is there. It's just going through the paces and, and, and rehabbing. That's, that's the only issue there. It's when you get back onto the mountain and you get back to that turn that ate you up. That's the big challenge to me. And I've crashed on a lot of courses throughout my years (laughs) and I have a lot of those ill memories. And so when you get back to those points and you see that, that area, it's, it's, that's the thing. It's when you have to visualize and you have to see where you need to go and what you need to do. And you close your eyes and you envision yourself going through this turn, yet you see yourself crashing again. And you have to wipe that out of your brain and, and convince yourself what's possible. I like to say that. I like saying it's essentially skiing is bad. It's convincing yourself of what is possible because when you first get into these scenarios, you're like, huh, what? You look at the course, you look at the turn ahead of you and you're like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. And then by the time you leave that section, you've convinced yourself I can, I can ski that. So basically what I'm talking about is before you go into a race, you go to inspect the course, you get a slide down, you get to see where you got to turn, what, what direction you have to go off this blind roll, uh, what the snow is like, what the conditions are like. And you have to memorize everything and, and know, with full surety that that's where you're going to go. That's what you're going to do. That's how you're going to project yourself down the hill and do it with full confidence. Because if you don't do it that way, you're not going to win. So the biggest trick is the mental game when it comes to coming back from injuries, in my opinion. So all the pre-course time is huge. When you're doing a practice run, do you want to be the fastest person out there or do you want to be more of an, 
an unknown or underdog, although it would be hard for you to be an unknown or an underdog at this point of your career? <laughs> um, yes and no. Sometimes there's, there's races I've been to that I've seen the line I want to take, and I know nobody's going there, and I don't do it because I know it's going to be faster, and I save that for race day. Um, I've done that a few times and I've actually won a couple of races that way. And, but then there's times where you're just fully supremely confident that you're going to beat everybody and you want to go down and you're, you're going to nail that line because that's, you just know that's it. You know, um, what I'm talking about though is mainly downhill and then downhill there's, you have two to three training runs before you actually race. So everybody gets on the course and everybody sees where they want to go and then they'll ski it and then they'll see if it was fast. And, um, then there's, everybody's filming everybody. So everybody gets to see what these guys are doing, where they went, how they did it, what's the fastest. And then by race day, everybody's trying to replicate the fastest line. So, um, that's, that's the fun part about downhill in my opinion is it's, it's a puzzle. It's not just a show up, go and race type of deal. Yeah. That's, I had really had downhill on my mind when I uh, was asking you the questions, Val Gardena, yeah. that one's gotta be special for you. Three times victory out there. <laughs> Three times. It's kind I mean, of that's crazy incredible. to think about and the names that are associated with that. But, um, <laughs> The only other guys who've won it four times are Christian Godina and Franz Klammer. So if I can do it again, that would be kind of cool to stand next to those dudes. But uh, the the true master of that is my ski technician, Leo Musi, who's an Italian guy who actually comes from two valleys over. And he preps the fastest ski there. He, he just knows. My skis are already waxed for that race and they were waxed seven months ago for that race. So they're ready to go for race day come second weekend of December, <laughs> which is kind of nuts to think. But Leo, he also has four wins with Gadena and three wins with me. So he's the king. He has seven wins total. <laughs> he's not, not the guy steering the skis, but he's the guy making some fast skis. So it's kind of... I always tease him. I'm like, well, I can never catch you, man, unless I fire you. <laughs> <laughs> now, I watched your uh, Beaver Creek run yesterday from Worlds. You got to be excited about that one coming up, Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey is always special to me. Um, obviously, it's home snow, but that hill and what what it is, what it represents is is – kind of the most well-rounded downhill on the tour, in my opinion. You have slow, glidey sections. You have fast, steep, turning sections. You have big air. Um, you have lots of terrain. It has every aspect of a good downhill within it, and um, it's always a pleasure to ski. It's pretty funny. Last year, we, after the races, stayed to train on the hill, and when you go to race, you, you, you heighten your focus, and everything's a level higher it's much higher and, and you're ready to really throw down and perform that day but when we went back to go train we like skied it like it was just going to be 
another training day, but it just slapped us in the face. Every one of the guys, none of nobody finished the first run, and we were just like, "Whoa, okay, we gotta we gotta ramp this up because this is dangerous. This is downright dangerous." And you never really get a train on something that demands so much. So um, it was really fun to be able to ski on that hill more than just the one run a day and, and try new things and see new things and, and feel it out. What are your goals for 2015, 2016? Um, goals, goals are obviously to take it a step higher. Um, last year I was six in the world and what I really want to do is I want to push for a downhill title. No American man has ever won a downhill title. Darren's been second. Bodie's been second. Um, Marco's been fourth, but I think AJ Kitt was third. Bill Johnson was third. I think to be able to win that would be kind of the supreme goal. But that goal in itself, that's something you really can't control. So it's it's the small things. It's what I need to fix in my skiing, um, how comfortable I need to get on my skis to be able to attain that goal. It's the little things that I need to focus on and and hopefully the the bigger picture will uh, come together. And that'll wrap up our first edition of Slopeside with Stephen Nyman. From Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.